Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Come on, church, can we give God a round of applause for what He's done in 2015? What an incredible year we have had. This is a very active and vibrant community of believers, and I am truly mean it when I say I'm thankful to be a part of it, and I say that I get to serve here as your pastor. I get to serve with you, and that is wonderful for me, so thank you. Uh, for being a part of this community. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, we've got some things to do before we jump into the message today. We are doing the Run With The Vision message today. And, uh, uh, but before we do, I want to take a moment and I want to welcome all of our guests. If it's your very first time here, we're super thankful that you are here with us. And uh, uh, we hope that you were greeted uh, warmly when you came in and that you were given a gift bag as you came in. If you did not receive one, please stop by guest services and pick one up on your way out. But this round of applause is for you because we love guests here. So thank you for being here. And uh, I want to announce a couple things that I know that my wife, Shanda, did not get to do a little earlier. Um, Check out the app for all the details on things. But February 14th, if you are interested in getting baptized, we are doing baptisms at the end of second service uh, on Valentine's Day. So please, if you're interested, fill out your connection card, mark it on the back. I want to get baptized and we will get you connected to some information and what that is all about. Also, for those of you uh, that, that give of your tithes and your offering, and when you put them in the offering bucket, Uh, Or if you give online, then then a record is created as long as you put it in an offering envelope with your name on it. And so giving statements are available. We generate those for you. Uh, Those are for your use at the guest services. You can start picking those up today. We'll hold them there for a couple weeks, and then we will mail them out to you if you don't pick them up. So uh, make sure you stop by there. Uh, What we are doing, what today is all about, we'll just jump right into it. What today is all about is taking a moment to pause and reflect on what God has done in 2015, but also taking a moment to refocus on where he has us going in 2016. And so when we look at the, when we look at the Bible, when it talks about vision, we go to Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. When you have no vision for your life, no vision for your marriage, your finances, or your kids, or for your future, even for your health, then things begin to fall apart. Vision causes, or brings clarification. You say, this is what I'm going to do. This is, then you have to put a plan to it. And you say, this is how we're going to do it. This is what it's going to look like. It brings clarity and focus, and you begin to see things accomplished in your life. And Habakkuk 2, 2, 2, it says, write down the vision. So it's not just okay to have a vision. You need to write it down. If you have a plan for your health, if you have a plan for your finances, plan for your marriage, I challenge you to write it down. And here's why. It says, write it clearly on clay tablets so whoever reads it can run to tell others. A vision has to be clear. It has to be simple so that someone else can read it and not only pick that up possibly and run with it on their own, but run with it and tell others about it. See, vision is like this. I love to see people get filled with passion and filled with purpose and vision for their life. It's wonderful. Because what happens is they get lit up like a Christmas tree, right? They become beautiful. And we all look at them and go, look at that guy. Look at her. Look at that girl. Filled with passion and purpose. Aren't they beautiful? Isn't what God's doing in their life incredible? 
But that's not what vision is for. See, vision, it says, is so that they can run and give it to others. See, vision is accomplished, not just when it lights us up, but when we become the Christmas tree that has gifts under it for other people. Right? That's when vision is accomplished. That's when, when it serves its purposes, when other people can catch it, when other people can receive because of God's purposes that are happening in your life. So we need to catch a hold of vision and share it with others. And so our vision here, in case you don't know what it is, is very, very simple. It's to reach those that are far from God and teach them to follow Jesus step by step. I'll say it again. It's to reach those that are far from God and teach them to follow Jesus step by step. Today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our vision, what it looks like corporately for us, but we're also going to talk about what it looks like uh, for us as a community and then individually as well. And, and first we're going to focus on the individual part of it, reclaiming your vision. If you feel lost or you feel confused or you feel distant from God, uh, it, it's important that you reclaim that vision in your life because the corporate vision that we have to accomplish together for the year will not be accomplished if you don't have vision for your personal life. You got to get that right in the personal arena before you can uh, you can be a part of something that is greater than yourself. And so we're we're going to look at some of that. And if you're here today and you would say, "Aaron, I'm feeling kind of lost. I'm not really going towards anything in particular. I'm kind of floating through my life." Then I understand you're probably in a place where you're pretty frustrated. Anybody ever been lost before? Like actually lost? You're like you're going someplace and you've gotten lost before. That, that's a difficult place to be. It's a draining place to be. It's a place of panic. It's a place of, of like uncertainty. You're, you, you can't be sure about anything when you're lost, right? You're not sure of where your turn is going to take you and how you're going to get there. And will you be on time? And will the people be upset with you because you're lost? And was it your fault or was it the direction's fault or was it Siri's fault? Like, we don't know. Lots of questions when you get lost. When I was younger, I, I remember one specific time, I remember a few, but there was one in particular that I remember. I, I was taking some paperwork downtown for my mom. I was probably 16 or 17 years old, and I let my mama do anything she needed me to do, and she needed me to take some papers downtown to an office, and she gave me directions, and somehow when I went downtown, I missed the turn. I missed it. Now, your first few times downtown when you're a brand new driver like I was are terrifying, even if you're an adult and you don't go down there very often, it can be a frightening experience because you're used to all these roads out here where there is two lanes. One's going this way and one's going that way. And downtown, it's like one way. Or there's some that are like a two-way, but it's just like an alley. And you can't, you can't get down that thing, right? You've got you to gotta have a lot of maneuverability and some skills that I lacked as a 16 or 17-year-old. And so I went downtown and I, I got lost. I missed my turn. And, and, and you have to understand that during this time, I, I didn't have GPS. Like, the struggle was real, right? There was nobody to guide me. Tom Tom hadn't come along. There was, no, there was nothing to help me at all. In fact, the only, the only rescue that I had, which I'm a dude I'm totally not going to do, was to stop and ask for directions. I'm not going to do that. I had my mom's cell phone. And the rule with the cell phone was... Uh, you don't drive and you don't talk on the cell phone at the same time, because it wasn't fancy, right? It didn't have speakerphone. In fact, it was one of those big block cell phones. It was like a brick with a little flip-down thing like this, right? You, anybody remember what I'm talking about? None of you old folks in this place want to own that, huh? I got you. That's all right. I see you. And so the rule was you weren't allowed to drive and talk because you had to like sit it on your neck like this to be able to drive, right? And it was, it was a heavy-duty thing. And if you were found talking and driving, at the same time, the phone and the keys were removed from you. Those privileges were gone. And so I broke the rules. I was lost. 
And I called my mom who had sent me downtown. I said, Mom, I'm completely lost. I don't know where I'm at. I, I can't even tell where, I'm, where I'm, 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 I'm at right now. I don't know the road names. I'm, I'm lost. And my mom was no help. She didn't know downtown either. She knew how to get where she was sending me to go, right? And I'd missed it. I'd, I'd taken several turns, and I was completely on the other side of town. And I remember feeling a moment of hope while I was driving, and I saw this road, and I thought it was the road I needed to turn on to get back to where I was going, and I made a hard, sharp right turn onto the road. What I didn't see when I saw the sign that filled me with hope was the sign that said one way, going that way. And in that moment, my whole life flashed before my eyes because I'm now driving on a road with three lanes filled with cars headed straight towards me. And something welled up with inside of me. I'm on the phone with my mom as I make this turn. And you need to understand, I was driving one of those big conversion vans. Like, you know, one of the fancy ones, like with the TV, like, you know, the TV and the center console and the VCR. Oh, come on. And we, and we had those bench chairs in the back that would lay down into a couch because we didn't believe in seatbelts. Like, we were going to get in a crash. We were going to die comfortable. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I'm driving this big conversion van, and I make this hard turn. And I know the guy in front of me that's coming straight at me is going to meet Jesus before I do, but I was almost close. And something welled up on the inside of me, and a word came out of my mouth that caused my mom and I to have silence. And it felt like an eternity had passed. Well, the cars saw me coming, and they got out of my way, and I didn't die that moment, but I was pretty sure I was going to be dead when I got home. And when I found the courage to speak up, I said, Mom, are you there? So I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't usually say words like that. And my mother, being understanding as she was, said, well, it sure slipped out pretty easy. You must say it often enough. <laughs> she was right and I was lying, but... So I drove home that day. I gave my life to Jesus again because I was pretty sure I was going to meet him when I got home. <laughs> and I eventually found my way out of that situation. You know, got, got, I got unlost. But when we're lost, you understand the feelings and emotions that come along with it. Your palms get sweaty as you're driving. But as you're cruising through life, it's the same thing. You're not sure of the next turn. You're not sure if the next step that you take will be the right one. You're not sure of the next decision that you make, if it'll connect you with where you hope to go or in your career or in your relationships as a parent or with your finances. You're not sure. What, what do I do? Where do I, I feel lost? You feel hopeless in those moments. Doesn't matter. You can have your hands in 10 and 2 o'clock doing everything right, turn signals and all. Sometimes the GPS just leads you to the wrong place. Sometimes the directions you have that this is how it works gets you to the wrong spot. It doesn't take you where you intended to go. And when you feel lost, in those moments you lose focus, you lose clarity, you lack vision. And what you need most is to reclaim that vision. What you need most is to reclaim that clarity. So I want to spend some time, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about recapturing clarity, direction, and vision for our lives. And there's a great story. There's a great story in Mark. It's chapter 8. And I'm hoping that it will help you today because if you're feeling lost in any area of your life, that this will be a blessing to you. 
It's a story I'm sure we're all familiar with. It's Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. It says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Now, stop right there. It's kind of funny to me how when people brought others to Jesus, the things that they would ask him to do, Jesus, pray for him. Jesus, would you heal him? And when Jesus responded, he oftentimes touched them. And so these guys, when they approach Jesus, they don't even ask him to pray for him or heal him. They said, Jesus, do the touch thing. Do the touch thing. <laughs> they wanted to see the show. Do it, do it this way. We've seen you do it before. We've heard that's all you have to do, just a touch. Somebody touched his clothing the other day and got completely healed. Jesus, do that one. Isn't that how we are sometimes with God? We want him to do it our way. Hey, you did it this way for somebody else. I need you to go ahead and do that for me. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> the verse continues on. It says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. We know he's going to, or how God's going to work. Sometimes. We've got it pictured in our minds. We say, all right, this is what he's going to do. He's going to touch. He's going to do this. But when we approach him, oftentimes it doesn't really turn out the way we expected, right? Sometimes we say, hey, do the touch thing, and Jesus grabs us by the hand and leads us somewhere else, somewhere we didn't expect to go. We pray for God to do it this way, and he just does it the way he wants to do it anyway, right? It continues on, it says, and when he had spit on the man's eyes, now we need to stop right there. So you can't just read your Bible. I'm gonna encourage you to read your Bibles, okay? This is like the grossest moment ever in the Bible for me. When I read that Jesus took a second to spit in a man's eyes, you need to understand my history and why this is such a problem for me. I'm going to reveal myself and be a little authentic with you, and I ask you to please be merciful. I have a weak stomach. There are things that when they gross me out, I will full-on gag and, you know, like, verp. You know what I'm talking about? That's a vomit burp. And I'm going to tell you why this spit thing bothers me so much. I had much difficulty doing it first service, and I'm hoping to be a little better. But when I was younger, I was in high school. I had guy friends around me, and I, they would do this thing. Whenever they had sinus drainage, they would go, and then they'd kind of maul it around in their mouth a little bit. They'd raise their hand and go, in the middle of class, can I go to the trash can? And I had to sit next to that. And when they found out that, when they found out that it gro grossed me out, they would sit there and they'd go, they'd go, hey, Aaron, check it out. I can't even visual. I can't even visual. Thank you. Let me just stand over here. And so they would, they would have this green thing on their tongue and just kind of chase me around with it. My older brother, because he knew of the issues that I had, he would pin me down and then he would do that thing where he, 
And you know where they let it drip from their mouth and just before it hits you, they just suck it back up? I am a traumatized individual. So when I read a verse like this in the Bible, I have to stop. Because the ick factor is just too much for me. Like, are you kidding me? Jesus spit in this guy's eyes. Could you imagine stepping up to me and going, Aaron, my knee's really bothering me today. Hang on a second, I got you. <sighs> kind of dry today, I'm not going to be able to pray for you. Oh, nope. Oh, hold on, we got it. And I just spit on you? The verse continues, it says, when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They, they look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And then Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. My prayer for you today, for those of you that are here that would say, I've lost vision, I've lost clarity, I've lost focus somewhere in my life, some area of my life, is that you would reclaim it and regain it today. And that as you do, when you regain clarity and you regain focus, that you'll know and hear God's instruction for your life clearly today. That's my prayer for you. Because when the blind man received his sight, Jesus gave him a new set of instructions. He said, don't go home. Don't go into the village. Or go home, don't go into the village. So today as we look at this story, there are four key things that I want to share with you that are paramount to reclaiming vision in your life. The first thing we see in this story is that in order to recover vision, it requires relationships. If you want to recover vision in your life, you will need to have relationships. The blind man's friends are the one who brought him to Jesus. Now, his legs worked. He probably could have got himself there, but he would not have known the way to go. He could have started walking in, the, in a way, in a direction, but he was blind. He could not have gotten himself there on his own. His friends had to take him. His friends had to grab him by the hand and bring him along. Let me just say this to you so that you understand it clear, clearly. You will never rise above the level of relationships in your life. Young people, if you're here, listen clearly to me. Listen carefully. You'll never rise above the level of relationships in your life because your friends are either going to take you to Jesus or take you away from Jesus. When you feel lost, confused, you've lost focus, if you are connected and in relationship with others, other Christ followers, they will rally around you. They will support you. They will love you. They will encourage you. They will share scripture with you. They will make sure that you get to Jesus and make sure that you connect to him through that time. But if you surround yourself with those that are not Christ followers, then they will take you away from him. They will say, forget all that stuff. That church stuff isn't working for you. That Bible stuff isn't helping you out any. Let's go party. Let's go live the life that you want to live. Let's go get drunk. Let's go enjoy ourselves. Forget that mess. Your friends will either lead you to or away from Jesus. So recovering vision in your life requires proper relationships. 
The way we do that around this place is something called grow groups. We have tons that just launched last week. You can still jump in. There's plenty of them. You can jump in at any time. There's some marriage studies. There's some women's studies you can, that, are, that are just started and are just reading the book this week if you want to be a part of them. They're all on our website. I don't want to spend too much time talking about them. But in those grow groups is when, where we go from knowing somebody's name because on Sunday morning, we can do that real easy. We wear name tags. I get to know your name. But if I want to go from knowing your name to knowing your story, well, I need something a little more than a Sunday morning. I need to have dinner with you. I need to fellowship with you. And we provide those environments for you to connect with others in the grow groups. You'll find people that will love you and encourage you and support you in those groups. If you're missing that community, you are missing out. If you want to reclaim vision in your life, you need to be in relationship with others. The second thing that's in that story is recovering vision requires faith. Faith is a significant part of this story. In fact, it's huge because without faith, they never would have brought the blind man to Jesus. It's possible that they never saw Jesus heal anybody, but they only heard that he had. And so faith rises up inside of them. They make the journey. They go get their friend at, their, at risk of personal injury, or of not personal injury, but of reputation. Say, hey, we've heard of this guy, Jesus. We think he can heal. Why don't you come on? Let's go. And they go and grab their friend, and the blind man goes with them, and they say, hey, do the touch thing. Do that thing that you do. Just, just touch him. And most of us, we prefer that kind of faith. We prefer a moment of faith. But oftentimes, faith looks more like a process. It's not a moment. It's a process. Jesus takes us by the hand and leads us somewhere we didn't expect to go. Faith is it's not, a, not a moment in your life. It's a process that you go through. We say, heal me, set me free. And more often than not, it looks like Jesus leading us on a journey to freedom, on a journey to healing. Because God can deliver you from something, but more often he walks with you through that pain. Either way, this is what you need to know about him. He is faithful. He is faithful. I know it's frustrating for us, though, because we all want what we want, and we want it when? Now. We want what we want right now. Have it your way right away. We want it in 10 seconds or less. We want to Google that stuff and have it immediately. That's our current culture that's done it to us. We want faith that is just a touch. We don't want faith that is a process. But we're called to more than that. In Hebrews 6.12 it says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience. Oh, we hate that word, don't we? Through faith and patience. This thing just insulted all of us, by the way. Those of us that want it now, we don't want you to become lazy. Lazy? I never thought of myself as that way. It's not in my notes. That was just for free. Chew on that later. <laughs> but to imitate those who through faith and patience. Patience is only exerted over a long haul. You understand that, right? Through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Look, if I could take scissors to my Bible and cut out things that I don't like and develop my own theology, it would be every single verse on patience. You know why? Because I suck at it. I'm horrible at having patience. I want things now. I want it right away. I'm a get her done kind of guy. Get her done. I don't want to wait. I don't want to go through a process. And maybe you're like me. You want it now. 
But faith, man, I got that faith part. I believe God can do anything that he wants to. I believe that he's the God of the impossible. I believe, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jump over to Ephesians, that he's the God that is exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think. I believe in that God. He can do anything he wants to. He is all powerful. I have faith. I hate that little patience part. I hate waiting on him to do what he's going to do, what he's promised that he would do in my life. I hate that. I don't want to deal with it. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You don't want process. You don't want to wait. You don't want to have patience. You want it on now. Some of you can relate in like your regular life. Like, let me just make it clear. Go into the grocery store, right? Go into the grocery store. There is a process. We get the buggy. We go around. We grab the food we want. And then we got to do what? We got to check out. And when I go to check out at a grocery store, I don't know about you, but anxiety begins to just well up inside of me as I begin to look at all the lines. I start praying, if you love me, Lord, you'll make this an easy process. I'll give it all to you, Jesus. I'll give it all, just get me through this line. Nobody else prays that way, it's just me? All right. Y'all just looking at me, judging me, that's fine. I start to analyze the different lines. Not necessarily for their length, but who's in those lines. You look and I go, is that person really going to have trouble with the touch screen? Are they going to be able to, like, get this thing done? You know what I'm saying? Like, at the self-checkout. You know what I'm talking about. Look. They're there, and they're just like, now, what do I do? You scan it. You put it in the basket. You scan it. You, it this, it's just repetition. Come on. You tell it how you're going to pay, and you just put it in. And so I'm analyzing people before I make a commitment to get in line. I'm also that guy that when I get in line and there was two possible ones that I could have got in, I kind of look at it and mark my spot. Like, all right, that's where I would have been if I'd have been in that line. And if, that, if I could have been done and I'm still standing in line, it like completely ruins my day. You know what I'm saying? Daggone it. If I was over there, I'd been already out of here. <laughs> telling you, I'm weird. But I, I hate standing in line. You ever been, been one of those, in, in one of those lines? So, so nowadays, they've got the cash registers, and they've got those little end caps, right? They have all the candy and the magazines and things on them. But now there's, like, the end cap, and then there's this space that people can walk through, and then they've got another kiosk. At Walmart, they've got them. A lot of places, they've got them now, and there's, like, batteries or gift cards and things on them. But they separate. They have this separation, right? So, so there's this area between, the, between the, the, the lines, and you'd be standing here like this, and some little lady just kind of walking through. She's just looking at the lines. She ain't looking this way because she doesn't want to get caught. And you know what the game is. You can see her skirting down in between the kiosk and the end caps. And she's looking at the lines, and she kind of pulls in right in front of you. And then she does one of these. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. Did I just cut you? Yes. Every ounce of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. No, it's fine. You're okay. We get cut in line. It's just the worst. You know, you were sure you were getting ready to be checked out, but now you're pretty sure you're just going to die there, you know? <laughs> you ever been at the back of the line? And you're at the very last person, and somebody comes up to you that's wearing a vest that looks familiar. They don't do this at Walmart, by the way. They will just leave you hanging out there. But at other places, Meyer and different things, they've got cashiers that are trained. Everybody in the store is trained to be a cashier. And so they will send somebody to rescue you and open up another lane. And to do that, they'll come up to you and go, they're supposed to say, I'll help the next guest. 
but they, sometimes they go to the back of the line and they take the sucker at the back of the line. I've been that guy and I love that because they'll take you over and they'll check you out and you walk up to the lane where they're at and that light's not on. They're not open. And then somebody pulls in behind you and starts unloading. The cashier goes, I'm sorry, sir, this, this register is not open. And in that moment, you look over like, oh, sorry. And they load up their cart and they walk away. But inside, you're doing your Snoopy dance. <laughs> Full on favor. Full on favor. And you want to shout. You can't wait to get in the car so you can shout to the Lord, right? That's what we want our faith to be like. We want our faith to be like the guy at the back of the line. Everything is horrible, and we found favor and got brought to the front. We want everything in our life to be like that. More often, our faith looks like standing at the back of the line on Black Friday. It's a process. It takes time. God's going to lead you through it. You need to just trust him. We want the touch, but God wants to take our hand and lead us through. The journey's not what we think it is because when Jesus grabbed the blind man and he took him outside of the city, this means he took him away from everything that was comfortable for him. Took him away from his friends, his families, what he was used to, his marketplace. Took him away from everything and he had to just trust him. Why is Jesus taking me outside the city? Is this dude like gonna kill me or something? Uh, spoiler alert, he's getting ready to spit in your eyes. So, uh... so he goes out and he trusts him. Jesus spits in his face. And many of you, you can identify with this because you're following God. You're in for the long haul. You're submitted to the process. You're letting him lead you currently. You're trusting him. And you get to a place and something happens and you feel like God has spit in your face. What? what? Why did you just spit in my face? Spitting doesn't help me. If you spit in someone's eye, it blurs their vision. It doesn't help them. And you feel this way, like, why? What did I do wrong? I'm living this life of faith. I'm taking these steps. I'm doing everything that the purpose-driven life said that I should do. And I feel like I just got spit in my face. But God's ways are counterintuitive to our ways. He doesn't do things like we want him to or like we expect him to, ever, ever, ever. God's process is often about destabilizing us so that we become desperate for him. Leading us outside the city and spitting in our face. Destabilize you. God, I need you. I'm completely lost. I'm trusting you. The reason we can trust him is because Isaiah 55, 9 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need to be okay that it doesn't look like what we thought it was gonna look like. We need to be okay and trust him. I get calls all the time, people that are praying and believing for God to do something in their life and they say, Aaron, it's not going the way that I thought it was gonna go. I'm hurt, this is, this is, this is painful for me. I don't understand why it's turned out this way. And I tell him, you know what, I gotta be really honest with you. None of this is a surprise to God. Not a single bit of it. We have to trust him because he's in control. The problem is we all want to be in control. We all want to be our own little gods. That's idolatry. God's in control. We have to trust him. He is faithful. He has a plan. 
and he has a purpose. He says that everything that you're going to go through, that he will work it out and use it for your betterment. But we have to trust that. We have to trust that. Those of you that would ask me, say, why is it going this way? Who am I to say? Who am I to say what God's ways ought to be and how he's doing them? Some of us today are in process. We're having patience worked in us, and we just need to trust him over time. Not just now, over time. So reclaiming vision requires relationships and faith, but it also requires authenticity. Jesus asked the man, what do you see? And you have to imagine that the guy is a little intimidated at the question because everybody else that Jesus prayed for received their healing immediately. This is the only record we have in the Bible of a man being prayed for that needed to be prayed for again. And you have to wonder how he felt in that moment. Was he tempted to lie and say, I'm fine? Because honestly, he went from being blind to being able to see blurry sticks. That was an improvement because before he couldn't see anything at all. But instead, the man chose to be honest. But you have to wonder, did he think, what's wrong with me? Did I do something wrong? What's different about me? Why isn't this going down the way it went down for everybody else? Is it me? This kind of environment is created by religious people. People that are not willing to be authentic. People that, are will- that put on a mask and say, everything's fine, everything's good with me, I've got it all together, what's wrong with you? And we look down on the people that don't have it all together and it creates this tension, it creates factions and cliques of people that get separated within the church. People feel left out of the church because, well, they don't have it all together. And religion does this to us. And if people don't do it to us, we do it to ourselves. We say, well, God, God's not doing that in my life. It didn't look like that for me. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me. I'll just leave the club. Maybe I'm too broken. We put on masks and we pretend we don't have issues and we ought not do that. Simple Church seeks to be authentic. Around here we say it's okay to not be okay. We have a sign on our door that says come as you are because we want you to do that. We want you to come as you are. We want you to come in and be real. That's why I do everything I can to be as real as I can on this stage. Just tell you where my failures are, past and present. I'll share them. Because I want you to create a culture of authenticity here. I don't want to be the only one that's being authentic. I want you to feel the freedom to be authentic as well. To let down your guard and say, everything's not okay. After first service, I had somebody come up to me and say, Aaron, everything's not okay. I need prayer. And I hugged him and I prayed with him. And God's going to begin a healing process there because when you say everything's okay, when you don't get real, when you don't reveal it, when you don't expose the pain, healing can't happen. But when you expose it, God will step in and he'll heal you. If we don't have real people with issues around here, we aren't doing it right. Because we exist to reach people that are far from God. It's not okay, or it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. That's why we're going to teach them to follow Jesus step by step. Step by step. Authenticity is paramount to freedom. The blind guy was honest with Jesus and he healed him further. 
and now he sees. So recovering vision requires right relationships, faith and authenticity, but also requires obedience. Jesus gave the blind man instructions directly after he received his sight. And the man had a choice to be obedient to them, to follow his word. To begin to walk in that purpose and that plan. He could have gone back to his old life, to his old ways, to his old friends, but Jesus put him on a different path. Let me be clear. God never loses vision for your life. He just loses our attention sometimes. We get clouded by the world. We get clouded by the cares of everything that's going on around us. By our activities, by whatever it is, our relationships, our desires, even our circumstances. We get caught up in all those things. And we lose focus. We forget to ask him, what is your purpose and plan in this situation for me? We forget. But Hebrews 12, 25 encourages us, see to it that you obey God, the one who is speaking to you. See, God is always speaking to all of us, all the time. Say, how, Aaron? Through his word. If you're not intentionally connecting to it, you're missing out on him to speak to you regularly. He speaks to us on Sunday mornings. That's why I assume that he's talking to you every service. That's why I ask the question, what God's, what's God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? Every Sunday, I ask. Because I assume he's speaking to you about something. He's always speaking, but are we listening? Are we positioning and posturing ourselves to be, to, to be able to hear his voice? We have to connect with his vision for our life. We get our relationships our finances and our purpose wrapped around his vision and purpose for our lives. Once we recover vision through relationships, faith, authenticity, the time has come to take steps of obedience individually. But also there are steps corporately that once we begin to take them individually, we can take corporately. We can take them as a group because God has called us as a group to be obedient too. We just came off of a series called Jesus and We. It's about us. We can do more together. So what is God calling you to do? There's three things I'm going to share them with you and we'll close first thing we need to do is do what we should do. Some of you on a, on a regular basis miss out on your Bible reading time. You're not praying. You're missing the opportunity to connect with God's vision and plan and purpose for your life. Some of you, this is your year. 2016 is your year to do what you should do, which is to connect with him through his word. You can do it every day. Spend five minutes. Read a verse. One verse. And think about it all day long. You can sign up for, for emails to show up to make it simple for you. They'll show up and you read that verse. Pray about that verse. What is this supposed to mean to me? How do I live this verse out? Others of you, you're, you're reading your Bible and you're, you're faithful to that. But it's time to ramp it up. Maybe you're spending that five minutes a day. Maybe it's time to spend 15 minutes a day. Maybe it's time to get onto a reading plan to read the Bible through in a year. If you download the Simple Church app, there are reading plans on there. You can read it in a year. It's got the Life Journal reading plan. Pick that one, follow me. Read what I'm reading every day. Others of you, you need to learn to be faithful in, in your relationships. You need to jump into a grow group. Faithful in investing and faithful in receiving in those relationships. Others of you, maybe giving is what God is calling you to do in 2016, to be faithful in giving. Those of you that are already faithful in giving, maybe God's calling you to take another step and to consider tithing. I don't know where you're at, but I know that God is calling us to more, to be faithful in more this year. Others of you, it could be something as simple as serving on a team. 
to connect to a team and find a place to plug in and serve. The second thing we can do is do what we could do. So we do what we should do, and then we do what we could do. All this is, is this equates to a sacrifice. Because once we're doing what we should do, to do what we could do will cost us more. And I don't just mean financially, it's gonna cost us of our time, of our talents, our energy. It will cost you because God calls us to higher levels. If we really want to reach people that are far from God, we have to make sacrifices. Here's a couple that you can connect to immediately. We're running, we're running a collection for a program that we're doing here, uh, Hope for the Homeless. There's a homeless community here in Reynoldsburg that is bigger than you think. And Kate, one of our members, our partners, came to me and said, Aaron, I want to do something for this group. Great, let's do it. You lead it, we'll, run, we'll, we'll rally behind you. And so we're collecting, that's what all these bags are out here. We're collecting non-perishable foods, granola bars, uh, trail mixes, protein bars, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and travel size toiletries so we can put together a bag and give it to them. We're going to collect the next two weeks, so this Sunday and next. And then the third week, our kids' ministry is going to put it together. And then we're going to go out and disperse them. will cost you something to be part of something like that, to reach out to others that are not necessarily like you. Another event that you can be a part of this year is February 27th, Reynoldsburg's Got Talent. We do that event entirely to bless a whole group of kids who never get out of a hospital. Not only are we doing that to raise funds and awareness for that organization, but we've invited anybody in that program. Hey, come on, bring your families, bring your kids free of charge. You get to come and enjoy a two-hour talent show. Be a part, serve, attend, perform in the show. Plan to be a part of it, February 27th. Other events that we're doing throughout the year, we partner with the city. I would love to see a sign-up sheet that is so full that I have to tell people, I have no idea what I'm going to do with you because we've got so many people. I've never had to do that once. I would love 2016 to be the year. That so many of us are committed to sacrificing and giving of our time and our energy to be at those events and those outreaches that we will be a part of. Others of you, you feel called to more than just giving of tithes and offerings. Maybe you feel called to support some missionaries. The way you can do that is simple. On our app or on our website, it gives you the choice, regular giving or missions. Or if you're here in a Sunday morning service, you can just put missions on there. Any dollar amount that you want to, and that dollar amount will go completely to our missions teams. Not just the missions team that we're going to send out, but the missionaries that we support financially every year. The third thing we do is do what we would do. Now this section is reserved for dreamers. People that can see what God sees and not worried about what everybody else sees around them. And we require faith to do what we would do. This year, one of the things that we want to do is find two church plants and support them financially this year. We want to support church plants because new works of God bring new people to Christ. Just like we saw with Summit Creek. 85 people in the three months they were open. It's insane. New church plants bring new people in. So we want to support two church plants this year financially as the Lord provides. We're going to go on our missions trip again. I already heard from the missionaries. We're planning September 1st through the 7th. That's over Labor Day weekend. Some of you are going to have to sacrifice that weekend of luxury that you spend on your boats. We can go to El Salvador. 
spend a week serving some people there. You can plan on joining us. And if you can't go, maybe you can support somebody so that they can go. Maybe you can support them. It'll be $1,400 for every missionary to go. And they will step out in faith. And won't you step out with them? Make a plan now. You can support them a little bit every month to help them reach their goal. You can give to that mission work. The word that I have in my spirit for the year to do what we would do is growth. I'm busting with it. I'm so excited about it. Because you can look around this room and it's, it's not full yet, but it will be. It will be. I believe that we'll grow spiritually and that we'll grow numerically this year. I believe that God's gonna do that in our hearts and our lives. We're restructuring for that growth. We restructured our leadership to provide more opportunities for people to connect and to serve. And we've restructured our grow groups so that we can grow with Christ in faster and easier ways. We're restructuring, we're preparing. We're doing what we need to now so that we can already be doing what we'll need to do when. And I know I've said a few weeks ago that we were gonna blow out this wall so that we can expand this auditorium. I believe that we'll do that this year. I have no idea what that looks like. I have no idea what that's gonna cost. But it's gonna cost some money. It's gonna cost some time, some talent, some expertise. Maybe God will call, call you to partner with us to help us accomplish that and expand this auditorium so we can have more people in here on a Sunday morning that'll be a part of this community that is so life-giving. You have no idea there are so few churches like this. You genuinely love to be a part of the community. And I love it. We want more people to experience that this year. So I pray for, that you would allow God to lead you this year. That you would take those steps of obedience that you wouldn't normally do. That you would push fear out of the way and jump in with both feet. That you would ask God to help you, to give you the faith that is needed, to see what he sees for your life. And that when you see it, to follow and obey. Let's pray. First, I want to speak to those that are Christ followers in this room as I pray today. Some of you would identify and say, Aaron, I've lost vision for my life. I've been trying and trying to find my way, but somehow I've disconnected from God's vision and purpose for my life. I need the right relationships. I need faith. I need him to help me shed the hypocrisy in my life so that I can be authentic about where I'm hurting. I need him to help me to be obedient to what he's called me to do. If that's you and you're here in this room right now, whether you're watching through Periscope or listening on the podcast, I want to pray for you. But if you're here in this room, would you let me know, Aaron, that's me. I need you to pray for me. Would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me? It's awesome. It's hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you for that authenticity. Lord, I pray right now for those that are willing to be honest with you about where they stand. Lord, that you would give them clarity and focus and vision for their life. God, that you would help them to be surrounded by the appropriate relationships, other Christ followers, that would help lead them to you in times of desperation. Pray, God, that you would give them the faith, that faith that is beyond just a moment, but a faith that is willing to be patient and wait on you and trust you. It would help them to be authentic in areas where they hurt. Help them, God, 
to experience your love in this way in healing. And Lord, when you call them and you lead them, may they be obedient willingly. God, do this work in us. This is not something we can do without you. We need your power and your strength. Now I would speak to those in this room who are not Christ followers. You say, Aaron, I'm, I'm lost. I've been, I've been doing this on my own. I've been following what the world has told me to do. I've, 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 I've taken part of everything they've told me to take, and take part of. But I found it to be meaningless. I found it to be empty. And honestly, there has to be more. And let me tell you, there is more. There is more. There's a relationship with God that you can experience. And only when you experience that relationship of God with God will you be made whole, will you experience completeness. Some of you would say, I don't know how to be right, made right with God. Well, you don't have to worry about that because God took care of that for you. He gave you the opportunity to be made right with him through his son's sacrifice, his death on the cross, his resurrection. And today, if you will just accept that gift, if you will ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, he will make you brand new. He will forgive you of your sins. He will make you right with God. And you can begin a relationship with him and be made whole. If that's you and you'd say, Aaron, that's me. I want to experience that today. With no, nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'd say, that's me, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me. Pray for me today, Aaron. Pray for me today, Aaron. I'm going to pray a prayer that whether you're in this room or whether you're watching through Periscope or listening on the podcast, you can pray it, you can say it out loud, or you just need to mean it in your heart. You can say it quietly, but you need to mean it completely. The prayer goes like this, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, that you died and rose from the dead on the third day, that you did all that so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be made brand new and made right with God. Give me your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live for you. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.